Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor Kenny Ellis and Pastor John Fullerton discuss this week's sermons and the nature of what the Word of God means to our lives. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, welcome back to another edition of Armchair Preaching. Uh, Glad you're joining us for this journey. Um, It's uh, Pastor John, and uh, I'm Kenny again this week. Zach is uh, finishing up, I think, his uh, educational slash family vacation. Probably airborne as we speak. There you go. So he's on his way back, uh, but John and I were both up preaching this week in the services uh, this past Sunday, and Glad to talk about uh, a little bit about the messages from this past Sunday, um, but we also wanted to each week talk a little bit about just kind of the art of preaching and, and uh, some of the process of preaching, and so I think we're going to kick that off today with a little bit of question about that and then get into some of the application from the sermon on Sunday. Yeah, so uh, we uh, talked about uh, maybe the question we can deal with today is what does it take to get a sermon ready to go on a Sunday. I mean, how do how do we get go. from having nothing to having something on on Sundays? There you go. And I suddenly I just made me think of the uh, the uh, somebody once joked about it. How you know when you have a really busy week, and what happens is on on Saturday you go to desperate sermon no, desperatepreacher dot com, <laughs> and you find you find you pull out something, dust it off, and pull it out, oh, and you know, work it around, and things like that. That's pretty much what we do every week. No, it? it's not. No, no, no. So we've been trained you yep. know, to, in a very particular way to ha- you know what to do with the with the text. Just, just maybe talk about it in general. What have you been? How, how have we been trained to do this process? Uh, what's this process called, and what, what's in, what's involved? Yeah. So I mean, you could get um, super technical about it, but just um, as I try to think about it simply, um, I, I think one of the one of the the big things that we've been trained in um, is to start with the message of the text itself. Uh, long before we start getting into practical application, what is this going to mean for us? How is this going to impact our church or community? Um, you know, we start with, you know, what did, what did God originally say? Uh, and, and then there's all sorts of work and processes from language and commentary work um, looking at the original audience and, and who were the recipients of, of this material originally and what would it have meant for them, which is a lot, actually. Um, but, it's, but it's important work because I think it safeguards us from making the Bible say what, what we think it ought to say or what we want it to say or what we think will preach better. Um, actually, one of the things I get nervous about the most is that, is that you know, if I'm, if I'm in a text, and I've got some ideas, even even before we come to the text, because you know we read the Bible a lot, and mm-hmm. so even before we come to the text, this text means this. This yeah. text is this. This here's, and and it's just not to come in to kind of hold on to that gently. Yeah. Uh, because when we do all the work that you were just describing, the, the very things that we've been trained in, we, so we we have, you know, I, I think our tradition may be one of the few traditions around where they they make us do he, Hebrew and. Greek mm-hmm. studies. We had we had to learn Hebrew and, and Greek in yeah. order to, to get through this process to become pastors in our tradition. So 
So it means that we we have some facility with the language. So we do go in and we explore the language. And once we look at the nuances of the language, the nuances of the context and the historical setting and the literary style and what the writer was might have been doing and how he made the choices and all, you know, the, out of that becomes this 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 message that rises up. Yeah. And the concern that I always have, and that I guess the respect that I always have for for the text itself is that text has the text in its context and in its setting had something to say. Yeah. Our job is to not come in with something we think it says, but actually dig into what the text says. Yeah. Yeah, which takes work, honestly. It's a process. And I think whether it's pastors, and we're doing um, a lot of that uh, work um, as we prepare for sermons, but I also think, I mean, I, I'm, I try to coach the guys I disciple and stuff that, that they also even though they're not seminary trained, they ought to also know that process that you don't, you try to come, like we're doing Philippians, for example, the book of Philippians in the men's group. And I'm, you know, I try to coach them up on, you know, always start with who wrote this, why did they write it, um, study it itself for what, for what Paul was trying to say to the Philippians, get that first, then you can hear God speak, and then you can hear him kind of apply it. So anyway, so I, I don't think it's just no, unique to the preaching craft, but I do think it's right. we, try go, we try to go we try to go as deep as we can. Personal but. devotional, uh, mm-hmm. same thing. If you're coming across a passage in the for personal devotion, you're just reading your Bible someday. Um, one of the things that I have said all, 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 with preaching and with teaching and with personal devotionals, just get curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great word. Yeah, just get curious. You know? Yeah, and I remember when in seminary. Um, going through this process that they're training us in and going through the classes that, that not only the preaching classes and preaching classes came after all the Bible classes and all the language classes. Sure. They got to be able to get your tools in place in order to do the preaching yeah. classes. But I remember sitting with the text and I would just sit down verse by verse. Cause I don't know about you. I was not, I didn't go to like Bible college. And, you know, I was like, I had to do like a lot of extra work in seminary just to get the basic information yeah, yeah. down. So yeah. there's a lot of times I just, if there were 10 verses in this one section that I was going to be preaching on or teaching on, mm-hmm. I just verse by verse, I would just sit down with each version to ask. And I would on a piece of paper, I'd write down as many questions as I had. Yeah. Like, what is it that that verse says? Who, where is Paul? Where is, you know, why did he say this? I didn't hear every, every question I could have. And, and that really became a, you know, I need to at least answer these questions that I have. Uh, there may be other questions that other people have had that I'll get to that eventually, and we're trained in that as well. Go to the commentaries, see what kind of things that people are, have written about, other authors, other scholars have written about. Um, but I, these are the questions that I have. So, th- And all yeah. that really was a process of me being curious. Yep. That's why I say you know, get curious with the, with, with the text. If you have questions about the text, write, write them down. And gosh, these days, it's not hard to find answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Google. Yeah, which is kind of which is uh, risky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a good thing, but it's that it also it also means that a lot of inaccurate information is readily available to people at the click of a of a button, and uh, so that's the, I mean that's the trick. Um, but that but that's all you know. I think that's true for us too. I mean, we have to also make sure that the resources we're going to are credible and and people we believe um, you know really know what they're talking about and so forth. So, well, just out of curiosity though, a uh, couple of couple of the moments of, of the, the preparing for a sermon. So a sermon, there is no sermon, and then you may create a sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the first one is just to choose the text. Now, yep. here, and it's been my past as well, I'm fairly new here, but uh, uh, it, we, we teach in series. Mm-hmm. And so choosing the text is really not that, it, it's already 
set, but sometimes they have, you know, there's this larger thing out there called the lectionary, and some churches like to, you know, this preset text for every week of the year, every every day of the year. So just choosing a text, but once we've got that text, um, start doing this homework that we were, we were uh, talking about. But how, once you've done that homework, got curious with the text, and done done your research, just describe for us like what happens then with Kenny. Well, for me, I, I I try to say, is there one is there one big idea that uh, that I think is kind of rising that 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 kind of God's word has spoken. And although there's lots of nuances probably and lots of different types of application, I try to look for like one, what's the one big idea? What's the one big takeaway? Um, and then I just run that through a series of filters. I try to think through my own life. Um, how have I seen this applied or where do I struggle with this? Um, I try to think through our church community, obviously. What, where, what, what do they need to hear from this? What might be a, an encouragement to them? What might challenge people? Um, and then I try to come up with a structure uh, of the message. And by that, I mean, you know, sometimes you're, you're going from a biblical point to application, another biblical point to application. Sometimes you do all the biblical, kind of you front load the message with just getting it all set up so that you can make one big point. Well, you got to, you know, we have to make those decisions uh, about what we're going to do. So to me, that's what I mean by structure. It's just, you know, I'm going to probably have some kind of opening get through the biblical thing, then make some point, what's my application? Um, and then I always try to then think through, uh, I, I try to really think a lot about what is the application? What's the takeaway? You know, what, what, what should, how will people live differently, think differently um, about God, about their life, about following Jesus, and try to make that as concrete as I can. And when that application flows quite naturally out of your homework that you did ahead mm -hmm. of time, that process of getting the historical settings and everything all, all set, and in that that framing out of, of the message and the, the the biblical part of the sermon, where you're really just digging into the to the uh, to the, help understand what the scriptures is, is is saying in its own right, that then leads to application, mm -hmm. and that leads to very specific, the very specific takeaways in there. Yeah, when that's all flowing, I mean, that's yeah. Uh, you know, it, it feels good. Yeah, it's a it's a good thing, and I, and I it, I would say this. You said earlier about teaching in, in other settings. It it feels just as good in, when you're teaching this in a Bible study uh, mm -hmm. as when you're preaching it in, in a sermon. When it when it really feels like it's rooted in that what what God is saying in His Word mm -hmm. in this passage there, and you're able to bring that out, and and you can just sort of feel it yourself and sense it in the room. That you're like, oh, and how many times have you heard that? You know, I never. I never really got that passage, mm -hmm. or I never really understood that that context, and I never really saw that that way. Now it just really has so much clarity, and it yeah. just it, it feels good. Yeah. Well, and I think also what you hope is that if people are as they leave Sunday and it's Monday morning or Tuesday afternoon, and they're saying, you know, I th I think I, uh, I I I've decided I'm gonna forego, you know, from this past message, for example, that we both preach. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give up something for the sake of following Jesus this week. And they say, why? I forget, why am I doing that? Oh yeah, because Pastor John said that, but but is there something else to that? You know, and if in this way, they can work it all the way back down to yeah. know because that's what the writer of Hebrews was talking about because that's what happened in Moses' life and because that's what God said. Well, that carries a lot more weight than just, I felt warm and fuzzy on Sunday. I mean, there's a lot more chance we're going to follow through if we can trace all the way back down. That's what God said. 
I think that's what we're trying to do is help people exactly. see that's what God said. Well, you brought it up, so let's let's uh, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about the the messages on uh, on uh, on Sunday. Uh, I, I was going to say I I loved your uh, your image that you gave of um, how you see the world, like like a certain set of putting on a certain type of glasses, uh, and you see the world through that, uh, and helps you see what is what truly is valuable. Uh, kind of seeing the world as God sees it. I I've said for some time now that. Yeah, and I often pray this, you know, God, just let me see maybe that person or maybe this situation through your, and the phrase that, I don't know why it means something to me, but just to say it the way, the phrase is through your soft eyes of love. Mm. I yeah. just, just, you know, I see that through this like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way I am right now, and I'm just all, all this stuff's going on in my mind, but you know, if I could just get to a different place, and you were bringing that out, mm-hmm. just to, you just, you see certain things a certain way, and then you brought out, you know, this, this idea that, that when, when Jesus um, sharpens the focus of our faith, he allows us to see the world around us through the lens of love. You unpack that, and then through the lens of eternity. Yeah. That setting, you know, t- particularly the material things, the things that Moses walked away from. It's yeah. really, uh, I found that very, very helpful. Yeah. Uh, a way of thinking about it. And then I, I will say this too, that um, the, the story of Jim Elliot that you brought up. Oh, man. That always uh, gets me. As a brand new... Christian, mm. I mean, really, I'd probably come to faith uh, less than a year or so. Someone gave me you know, these are some of these early books that you read. Mm-hmm. One of those early books that I read was Through Gates of Splendor, yeah, Jim Elliot book. Yeah, and I'm just like, you know, it's a short book. I'm just mesmerized by why, how, in the world, who does that? What? Yeah. What do you mean? What that happened? They died. <laughs> what happened? They're trying to say what happened. And then yeah, you yeah. know, just that was really powerful. Just that, that powerful. Then so just the idea of the, having. This mm-hmm. lens of eternity, and like you said, if 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 Jim Elliot and Nate Saint and all the, the others were to, you know, if we were to talk to them in heaven, you know, was it worth it? Yeah. Absolutely, it's worth it. So, is it absolutely. worth it for Moses to walk away from it all in order to do something? It's absolutely worth it. It may seem like crazy to the other Egyptians, but yeah. Well, yeah. and I think what was cool was, I mean, you you went, you you did, you provided a lot more. Um, backdrop into the Moses story than I did. So I think we both took different approaches on that. Um, whereas, you know, you went into kind of what happens when he kills the uh, Egyptian um, labor guy uh, who's abusing the Hebrew, then his escape, his experience with God at the burning bush, which was really cool. And, and I think, you know, that's one of those where you just have to make choices about what you're going to include in the sermon. And uh, where uh, one of the things I noticed in, in the way we approach that, it made me think about how the writer of Hebrews, how how um, how little information the writer of Hebrews gives. And then you're like, well, OK, was that because you, yours, I think, was a little uh, by going into the whole backstory, it gives a little more kind of honesty to how bumpy Moses's road of faith was. It wasn't as he was pondering in the Pharaoh's palace one day. Oh, I think I will either you know stay here or I could forego this and go, you know it, yeah. it was this bumpy was road of yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> via murder, lost his temper, all this sort of thing, yeah. which still was part of his journey of faith. And I, I just thought that was cool in the way you, the way you preached he, it. Hebrews gave us this. I mean, there's so much in what three verses or so in in Hebrews where it just says you know, his mother. You know, this yeah. was happened at his birth, and then uh, and all the way through his his um, mm-hmm. his sort of, sort of leaving it all behind and pursuing God's God's uh, will, and that's like that that story is huge. That was that was this is actually one of the more difficult. I thought it was one of the more difficult stories to tell because 
there's such a breadth of information yeah. is that how, how do you set enough context in here yeah. to make this to get to the place where which we talked about earlier which was okay what do we do with this mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah but that was but i think that's important and for some people who know the bible they'll they fill in the gaps for other people i think what you did was helpful because if there's somebody who doesn't really know all those details then all of a sudden they get the bigger picture and they can kind of think about it that way so anyways like i said it's just all these choices we you know, uh, that we, we have to make this was a we, you know even this even the horns the, the thing with the horns you know mm-hmm. we talked about said do it in or out to put it in to put it out yeah but, you know i figured since we had it on the front cover of the bulletin out at least yeah just stick that story in, yeah. in there and because people always ask that why does moses have, have horns yeah um so let's talk a little bit uh which is part of what this is this podcast is for is uh what didn't we get to what, what kind of things were on our mind that, that they were on the cutting room floor mm-hmm. or, 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 or were just, they were hovering behind the surface of things that we actually did say, but we didn't actually bring them out to the, to the front. What kind of things were on your mind? One of the things that for sure that I really wanted to say that I just, I just couldn't, didn't have time for was I wanted to, to explore a little bit how we think about these faith choices where we, the world wants us to go one way or see things a certain way. Um, and, and yet the call of Jesus, you know, takes us in a different direction that I grew up in a tradition where those were always like, oh, we're willing to make these gigantic sacrifices for Jesus. And it was just kind of like this martyr, you know, I'm giving everything awesome up to follow Jesus. I sure hope he's impressed. And, 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 you know, as opposed to what Jesus actually taught, which was, you know, the, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in the field. And when the man found it, you know, he, he with joy, he sold everything and bought the field. With joy. Yeah, with joy. Because he, he just thought, oh, my God, I'm definitely coming out on the winning side of this. And so I think that I just wanted to, I guess I, I wanted to challenge people to think differently about whatever, whether it's they give generously to support a mission or they give their time up on a Saturday to work at a soup kitchen or whatever, to not think of that like, you know, they've made some gigantic sacrifice, but and, actually and they they're chose... Somehow, they're somehow diminished as a result of making that sacrifice. Something is less in their yeah, life. Yeah, like they've lost something. That, yeah. that maybe, because that, well, the idea is, well, maybe I, I'm willing to lose here to gain something in heaven. As Late, if there's no on, gain here. Yeah, 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 like as if there's no gain here. And yeah, that's yeah. just so not, that's the opposite of what Jesus taught. I mean, he came so that we might have an abundant life now. Yeah. And so anyway, so I just thought that would have been something important to say, because I think that's, I mean, I, I grew up thinking that way. And it takes a while to unlearn that and to see it instead as an invitation to joy or to more fulfillment. So that's one of the things that I left on the cutting room floor and mm-hmm. didn't get to say. What about you? Well, I, the the thing, you know, I, I talked about the, some people that, that I had seen in this one story of a man who was just really a, a powerful, you know, powerful man uh, who humbled himself in the church nursery and, and yeah. children crawling all over him and, and uh, what an impression that made and, and what a statement that was and what it took inside of that man to be able to do that. But the thing that was kind of, if, if you sort of in the back, the back of the mind is that, well, the reality is that the man didn't actually stop being a powerful man. And he didn't stop being a man of, of means, and, and stop being he didn't stop being any of those those things. Um, now he was he was he had it, in, and I think in, in in a very healthy perspective uh, mm-hmm. that that he was he, he was he didn't define himself by those those things, which is very helpful. Yeah, and I think a lot of times we lose sight of that. We get we get so attached to it. There's like this white knuckle grip on the things that that we think define who we are that are based on 
material provisions, material prosperity, and so on. So he clearly didn't have that in his in his mind, but he also clearly didn't leave Egypt, and he didn't yeah. get, he didn't go to Midian to become sure. a poor you know uh, herder and um, and 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 come back in a very different way. So he 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 still had his seven thousand dollars suits on, yeah. And so there's that thing in the back of the mind. This is a lot like the um, the uh, you know the thing that a lot of people think about was that you know, okay Jesus calls all of these disciples, many of whom were the the marginalized of society and they stop whatever it is that they're doing and they leave all that behind they literally physically get up and leave it all behind mm -hmm. and they go to walk walk uh, with, with jesus and serve with jesus and and ultimately all the things that have happened since came about because they they did that is jesus therefore calling you know all of us to do that and should that guy who's this mover and shaker in the city of atlanta you know with, with the with the right faithful thing to have done would have been and, and should i have pressed this point should i've come brought this up even uh the faithful thing to have done really would have been to you know what i'm leaving it all behind and i'm going to only going to going to do that and and you know the the uh that would have been a lot of unpacking to, to, to deal with that and the answer to that question really is has always been um and this is down through the millennia has, has always been um you know there were the 12 that literally did that there are many who, who stay, stayed where they were, and they stayed who they were. They stayed doing what they, they were doing, and they served him, they loved him, and they gave to, to, to the causes. And things. So the answer has always been, maybe. Yeah. Maybe he would, he would ask you to do that. And for some people, he will ask to do that. Um, and for, for many, uh, he, he doesn't, but he asks us to have the right perspective yeah. on everything that our, that our life, certainly our material life, is all about. Mm -hmm. so that'd be something I, that I... I thought about, but yeah. uh, this didn't bring it. Which makes me think of the rich young ruler and how when people study that passage where the, he comes to Jesus, he's like, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you know, he walks away sad because he was a man of great wealth. And um, you know, when you're in Bible studies talking about that or you read it, you think, man, so is Jesus, would Jesus, is Jesus saying that to everybody? And it's like, no, he's, but he did say it to the rich young ruler. And, um, or with a reason. Yeah, because he knew his heart, and he knew the thing that was ruling his heart. And so sometimes... It and may that is very common. So that, that's, that, that's, that then becomes the cautionary tale. If your heart is so attached to the material things of this world and defined mm -hmm. by the material things in this world, be careful. Yeah. You know, that's, well, because that's the thing Jesus is going to move in on. Uh, uh, and that's why he talks about it so much. I, mean, yeah. I know we're getting ready to start into the stewardship thing, but that's, yeah. that's why he talks about, about how we... The, the, your beautiful image, the, the, the lens that we see the, the world, your lens is, is, is mm -hmm. messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Cautionary tale. Yeah. Well, where are we going next, Kenny? What's, what's up next? Well, we take a break um, from this series anyways. Uh, the, the way this was originally crafted was that we would do three weeks uh, beginning in the Sermons on the Saints, and then we would take a, a three-week not a detour, but we'd, we'd take a side trail and, and talk a little bit about living generously and stewardship and generosity and that sort of thing. So uh, it'll be, it'll be a, a, a good little um, side trail to go down, and then we'll resume this series. Yeah, I like the idea that, uh, that generosity is not something foreign to the, to the Scriptures, but the, the, the life of generosity is, is, is expected. And this is, we're... we're we're way beyond this. This is not about you know, giving, writing a check. Yeah, this is about a heart. Yeah, 
as the dinners are. So we're going to unpack that for, for a couple of weeks and talk about the impact of that. So, yep. And uh, Zach McGowan will be back uh, with us. Actually, right. it's going to be, uh, be Zach and me next week. Right. So you're you're be, up to this, but you're going to, where are you going? I'll be on the Appalachian Trail with my son, Cooper. We're doing a, a four-day hike on the Appalachian Trail. So That sounds fantastic. What? I saw the picture yesterday the, Yesterday of you and you and Cooper wearing those. Did oh, you we were, weigh doing, them? Our, we were doing the, our test hike, yeah. What's the weight of the bags? A little over 20 pounds. Okay. So, so life is different when you're walking for, man, for, I'm telling for you eight what? hours a day with a 20-pound yeah, bag. Yeah, we had an hour experiment, and I was like, wow, we got to do this for seven more hours each day. That's going to be fun. It'll be a good time, though. What a great experience. I hope you guys have a great time. Yeah, thanks. That's, that's it for now, folks. So we're going to wrap up this episode of Armchair Preaching. Talk to you next week. Yep.